The It's a Look podcast is brought to you in partnership with 1528 Webster. 1528 is a space where young companies, freelancers, and artists can grow their ideas, connect, find support, and mentorship. Learn more and apply for an individual or company membership online at www.1528webster.com. The beauty that I find in the women that I shoot is pure power. And, you know, everybody, all the documentaries and all the sad reprocessed beliefs that already exist in the world all want to tell the same sad reprocessed story of these women are from poverty or they're this, that, and the other. Well, guess what? I know a girl that is from poverty and supports her. Her mother died when she was 18. At 19, she starts stripping. She supports her, her 9-year-old daughter, her 21-year-old sister, and her 21-year-old sister's 2-year-old son from stripping. So is that is it a bad thing? She looked at me one day and she goes, what am I going to do? My, my capability is working at McDonald's. This is how I can pay all the bills and take care of my family. That's power to me. Money is power. You're listening to your two favorite hosts, Frida and Jenna. Do us a couple favors while you're listening to this episode. If you want the first look at all of our new content, join our mailing list. Visit www.itsalookwith.us and drop your email in the newsletter section. Follow us on Instagram. Actually, go ahead and just do it right now. Pull out your phone, go to the Instagram app, and search for itsalookwith.us. Hit that follow button. We promise you're going to enjoy this episode and the ones to come. So be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or the It's a Look website in the About Us section. Lastly, we host live events. Consider this your invitation to the next one. Hugs on site, F&J. This episode of It's a Look is definitely for grown folks. That means if your kids are around, your grandparents are around, or your uptight coworkers, you may want to put it on pause real quick, put your earphones in, and continue listening. You've been warned. I believe that if we wanted to get America out of debt, you would legalize pot and you would legalize prostitution. How much money flow? But I don't believe the men on top want their business taxed. My name is Rachel Alina Esterline. I am a documentarian and filmmaker, and I have a big heart. At this point, you're falling into cadence with us. We release a new episode at the end of every month. April is coming to a close, and we are releasing our newest episode. I say that to say that we started and finished this month celebrating women. We started this month in West Oakland at the Woman Sound Off Festival where both Frida and I got to host events that celebrated women for their power, their entrepreneurship, and their creativity. I hosted Boss Brunch. That was on Sunday. But I had the honor to be preceded by my co-host and friend, Frida, who hosted It's Personal and It's Business. Now, story time. So Frida came to me while she was preparing for these panels and she said, I've been talking to my panelists and I love them. I'm excited about them. There's one in particular that I can't get enough of. Her name is Rachel Lena Esterline and the work that she's doing for women, specifically around women and sex work, needs to be amplified. 
and it's a look as a place that we're going to do it. This conversation is very new for us. So apologies in advance if we use words the wrong way, if our ideas aren't fully fleshed out. But we wanted to attack something new, tackle a new conversation, shed light on something different. And in this case, it's a group of people that we often refer to as strippers that actually should be referred to as sex workers. It's sex workers, um, and sex worker is a blanket term for anyone involved within the sex industry. Um, some girls maybe don't like that term, but that it, all it is is for people to understand like it all-encompassing, and it be more of like a community-based. Who is Rachel Lena Esterline? Well, she's a photographer and documentarian who works to amplify the voices of sex workers. To me, sex workers and sex work is so far-fetched. Uh, recently I went on a trip to Texas and my girlfriends were saying that we should go to a strip club and I refused. I didn't want to go. I need no booty cheeks in my face. I didn't need any of that. Um, also when Cardi B first rose into popularity, I very much was like, uh, a stripper, a famous stripper. I don't know. Like where's Michelle Obama? And slowly in this process of meeting Rachel, I realized how prejudiced I was. And how uncomfortable I was with women who are sexy, women who perform their sexiness for cash, um, and how I demonized their actions. And in speaking with Rachel, I began to realize this is an industry, a monetary industry where women can succeed. And if I'm really a feminist, then I should be a supportive of that. And I should be supportive of these women. Because in this space, feminism is thriving. Feminism is rising. And it's a whole kind of future for feminists. Well, this is one industry where women can pay for their their master's degrees in stacks of 20s. This is one industry where a girl just went out and got her doctorate. Now she's a therapist for her own people. Like, this is one industry where these women are coming up, coming strong, and, like, they're a force to be reckoned with. They have a voice. Sex workers are definitely on trend right now. Cardi B has risen into fame. J-Lo is making an entire movie of where she is a sex worker herself with an all-star cast of women. But what more do we know about their day-to-day successes, the ways that they're killing the game, and the way that they're doing things for the feminist movement that women in the corporate space don't have the space or the courage to do? What do we know about this industry of sex work and the ways in which it's giving women a whole new level of power, growth, and accessibility? Now, I know what you're thinking. Actually, I know how your body is responding. You're probably clenching your legs together like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. And I get it. I understand why you're uncomfortable. But one thing that I want you to be mindful of as we have this conversation is there, there's two different groups of people, and we have to separate them. So there are people who consent that make the choice, and there are people who do not consent. So people who are forced into sex trafficking, forced to be raped, to go under experiences that they don't want to do. We're talking about the people who are making consensual choices. We're talking about the people who have full control over their body, people who are empowered. And so therefore, we're talking about what those people need, what kind of support they need, what kind of resources they need to actually be successful in an industry that's going to thrive either way. FOSTA SESTA was set, actually today is the one year anniversary of FOSTA SESTA, and it was set into play to what was, it was proposed to to help end sex trafficking and all and where it may have 
done some things. I'm not like I listen more to the girls' side of of it, and I'm more focused around the girls than I am the actual and how harmful it's been for the women of sex work. Um, these women, these women's pages were like Backpage, Craigslist Personals, and many other sites where they were able to vet their clients so they would have safer working conditions. The, now I'm talking about women who chose to do this work. I am. I in no way support sex trafficking. Of course I want it to stop. Like, But what FOSTA SESTA did was harmful to the women who choose to do sex work, and which is the oldest profession, and needs to have laws and regulations and be decriminalized so that these women have working rights and voices. What Rachel is talking about is FOSTA SESTA, F-O-S-T-A, S-E-S-T-A, which was enacted April 11th, 2018, by the United States Senate and the House of Representatives. Essentially, what the bill did was to fight and stop sites that allowed for sex trafficking. The problem with this is that it shut down those same sites that allowed for women who are consensually entering into sex work the ability to screen and discern which of their clients they want to go and see and the ones that they don't want to see. The problem with this is that it makes shit unsafe. It makes things unsafe for these women to be able to do the work that they need to do to provide for themselves and the people that they are providing for. When I think about sex workers, I think a lot of time we think of villains. Women who are fighting in the back of strip clubs and... um, Uh, women who are on drugs or things like that, as opposed to women who are working as a community to be successful together. One thing that was really beautiful that Rachel shared was the community amongst sex workers in the back of the strip club and how they behave and treat each other that is almost never showcased. The locker room is my favorite place of every strip club. Um, every every brothel I've been to, it's like where like the girls come together, and that's where they tell like who has what money, what they want, what color they want, like what girl, what style, like anything. It's like they're all working together. They're doing each other's hair. Yeah, there's tiffs, but every like that's everywhere. That's life. But like it is the funnest place in the in, in the world. We only hear about men in the locker room. We don't hear about girls in the locker room. So story. Frida and I this week, she has all these brilliant ideas that I support. (laughs) And she was like, let's go to Atomic Allure. Let's take a a dance class so that we can really get in the mood. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll go. No, I'm just kidding. I was like, yeah, jumping at the side of my own legs in the mirror, fucking right, I'm going. So we took a video vixen dance class. Legs were out, heels were on, okay? And that was about, wow, one hour of choreography and body rolls and booty pops and sexiness that I think I was even afraid to see of in myself. Regardless, there was this experience afterwards where we were in the locker room. And Frida can probably speak to this better than I, but the stories, the... The enlightenment, the suggestions that were shared were better than any online resource I could have I could have found. It was information straight from the source, straight from other women. Jen is totally right. I got a new nail technician in the locker room at Atomic Allure. 
I learned that I should buy a Diva Cup at Atomic Allure. I found out what kind of heels I need to be wearing at class to be successful, to be sliding and gliding and riding properly. And everyone was so excited and open to share. Everyone wanted us to get the dance moves. And Lord knows I was struggling. But people helped me. Women looked at me in the eye. You got it. You're doing great. You look sexy. I'm like, what? You want to take me home or something? What's going on? But that's sisterhood. And they don't tell us about the sisterhood between these women. And how much they support each other. And how sacred the space is. When I worked for the clubs in San Francisco, they would encourage me to not shoot the women with their money. Not, not teach them that they had any power. That's when my whole mind started shifting. For a while, because I had to lie when I worked for them. They would sit me down and ask, are you for the clubs? Are you for the girls? Who the fuck do you think I was for? But I had to lie to them and say I was for the clubs. It ended on a street fight. Street screaming fight. <laughs> I would not want to fight Rachel. She may look small, but I know that she would fuck some shit up. Since Rachel was terminated as the photographer at a handful of strip club locations in San Francisco, she's been working as a photographer, singularly as an entrepreneur, showcasing and documenting the work of sex workers. She's currently working on a full-length documentary. I can't give you too many details, except for the fact that you're definitely going to want to watch it when it comes out. Well, what I hope to really convey through our film um, that we're creating is... Five really strong words that I think can help all women, help all humans in all aspects of their life. Not just in dating relationships, not in biz- just in business relationships, but, you know, in all aspects. Boundaries. Consent. Discernment. Autonomy. And Agency. Consent um, is permission for something to happen or an agreement to do something. Autonomy is self-government. Boundaries, pretty, like, you know, simple, my simple way is just, like, how far you go, like, and what your, like, yes or no is. Discernment is, is really trying, for me, it's, like, I don't know. Discernment for me is different because I feel like as soon as I'm in the presence of someone, I pretty much know exactly who they are. Like it's just an inside feeling for me. But discernment for many is is really like taking the time to understand who's in front of you. And so going back to Fosta Sesta, like a lot of that, a lot of discernment got taken out of these women's capability of making decisions for their well being. And that's the scary part. Like, they don't, ha- they can't vet them like they could before. We can't have women out there working in these conditions where they're not being protected. Like, who are we as human beings? First and foremost, to not care, and secondly, to judge. In agency, I mean, I, f- I feel like we can all define that for ourselves. Those five words are so powerful, and I'm so glad that Rachel shared them both at the Women's Sound Off Festival while she was on the panel with me, and also for this podcast for you to be able to hear. The word out of the five that resonates with me the most is consent. I think it resonates with me so much is because it's so personal. 
you know, maybe I consent to let you touch my hand, but I don't consent to let you touch my hair. Maybe I consent for you to look me in the eyes, but I don't consent for you to touch me on my back. And in those nuances and in those details, it's so very personal. What we wanted to do was to explore that, to explore the personalness of consent. So we found some friends and asked them simply, when you hear the word consent, what's the first word that pops up in your head? The first word I think of when I hear the word consent is the club. The first word I think of when I hear the word consent is yes. The first word I think of when I hear the word consent is woman. The first word I think of when I hear the word consent is necessary. The first word that I think of when I hear the word consent is mutual. The first word I think about when I hear the word consent, safety. The first word I think of when I hear the word consent isn't even a word. It's an action. Eye contact. I want to thank Rachel for consenting to teach me, for consenting to let me ask questions, for consenting to letting me know when I'm using the wrong terminology, when I'm speaking about sex workers, for consenting to not to judge me because I was being judgmental and ignorant. I feel like very much so before meeting Rachel, I was a bit brainwashed by the patriarchy, probably, (laughs) by Western society, definitely. And I appreciate you, Rachel, for allowing me to see how much more I can support women, how much more I can love women, including myself. Who are we to judge? Everybody uses their body for work. They wear less clothes. Sex is not a bad thing. We were just told that by the church. That's why I have really big issues with the church. Like, they teach fear and ask for money. Strippers, sex workers provide a fun, exciting, like, service. And then you want to give them money. But then we shame these women. I'm borrowing a quote from one of the captions on Rachel's Instagram, which reads, Together, we are rewriting a story about strength and grace. We're not an invisible revolution. We're forming a powerful new visual language that demolishes shame. If you're interested in learning more about Rachel's documentary, if you're interested more in learning about Rachel's work as a photographer, I would suggest that you follow her on Instagram. With that being said, because of the sensitive nature of Rachel's work, her Instagram page is private, which means you may not all be allowed in that thing. But if Rachel decides that you too look like a person that is safe and respectful and interested in learning more and supporting, you may very well be lucky enough to follow her on Instagram. Her account is as follows, at Rachel Lena Esterline. That's Rachel at R-A-C-H-E-L, Lena, L-E-N-A, Esterline, E-S-T-E-R-L-I-N-E.
Did you enjoy what you just heard? Because we definitely enjoyed recording it for you. And more looks are on the way. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at itsalookwith.us for all the most recent happenings, cool things that we're doing, and the things that we're sharing with the world.